Welcome to another episode of It's Astrological. I'm your host, Lynette Wennerstrom, and I'm so happy to have you here. Today's episode is with my former boss, current friend, Salim Katrina. We had such a delightful conversation about finding your purpose later in life. We also talked about astrology as a language. Salim and I are both former translators, so we had so much fun talking about how to translate the heavens. We recorded this episode a few weeks ago, so there's a couple of references to Mercury retrograde and the full moon in Scorpio that aren't particularly relevant if you're listening in real time. If you're listening not in real time, then nothing is relevant as far as transits go, (laughs) but everything is relevant in terms of understanding your own chart and having fun. If you've especially wondered about your purpose in life outside of maybe your family or your partner or your job, or you're feeling like you're searching for what that is, then this is the episode for you. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Hi, Salim. Welcome to It's Astrological. I'm so happy to have you. Hello, Lynette. It is great to be here. Salim and I are former colleagues, just like everyone else I've interviewed on this podcast so far. But Salim was actually my boss, and she's the best boss that I've ever had. And I've had some really good bosses, and some of them are also my very good friends. But I am just so grateful that Salim and I not only had an excellent working relationship, but now we're like BFFs too. So that's the best. Love that. I know. So Salim, so everyone else can get to know you. Where in the world are you? And can you tell us a little bit more about your cultural background? I can. I currently find myself in the Bay Area of California and have lived here for about 10 years. My cultural background is today very Bay Area. Back in the day, it was very unique. But anyway, my dad and my mom were these great people. My dad was Italian. My mom was Pakistani. We had this sort of weird, tense mix of Catholic and Muslim things in my house when I was a kid. And today I've sort of brought that into my house because we live in a mixed house of our own in the Bay Area because my husband is Italian and I am suburban. (laughs) I am suburban American. (laughs) And so our kids are also growing up with a mixed background. But yes, that's a little about me, I guess. That is very dynamic. And I think one of the reasons why I've so enjoyed talking to you about life, but also astrology is because your life experiences just show up so beautifully in your chart and your travels and just how you show up in the world, which is what astrology does. But every time I see your chart and just compare it to who you are, I'm like, oh, that's so Salim. So I'm excited to dig into it. For sure. The travel aspects of my chart have always blown me away. That is such a huge part of who I am. And then the fact that it's in my chart in those really important moments of my life is so cool to me. I love it. Yeah. So while we're on the topic, since it's astrological, do you know your sun, moon, and rising signs? I do. I think my sun sign is Sagittarius, obviously. Yes. So obviously, and I think both my moon and my rising are Aries. I think that's how it is. Is that right? Your rising is Aries. Your moon is Aquarius, actually. Aquarius. Okay. Then no, I didn't know the full set. (laughs) It's hard to remember the three. Like if you're not looking at it every day, most people only know their sun sign. So you're doing great. (laughs) Interesting that I didn't remember that. I feel like I've learned that before about the moon sign, but I did not stick with me. I wonder, Mm -hmm. my parents are both Aquarians, as are you. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if there's some sort of like, not because of you, more on my parents' side. (laughs) 
think that I would resist about it. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously your moon got left in the dust a little bit, but how do you feel about your sun, moon and or rising signs? Like, do you resonate with them? Are you still figuring things out? What do you think about those? Yeah, probably the latter because I don't know enough about Aquarius to or how the moon affects things mm-hmm. about the. But I I definitely feel so Sagittarius as my son is yeah. the most appropriate ever of my life. Like I feel like it's super fitting, and the fact that my ascendente, my rising sign, is Aries is also really appropriate at the same time in my elder years. <laughs> That would be the recent time frame. Um, I I don't know. I kind of feel like I would like to be less warlike than I tend to be. So I wonder if there's something I can learn from that Aquarian part of me. Yeah, you have such an interesting chart. <laughs> but your ascendant is like, you know, the okay emoji <laughs> on the phone. Yeah. You know how if you zoom in really, really close, there's like, a little tiny space in between the thumb and the forefinger. I had never noticed that, but I hope everyone looks that up now because I sure will. (laughs) (laughs) But that's how close your ascendant is to your south node. So they are like kissing in the sky and that's a really strong placement because your south node is where you've been before. It's the gifts that you're bringing in, but it's like maybe in your past life you were an actual warrior or Mm. a soldier or some sort of like very intense advocate or something like that. And with your ascendant being so close to that and being such a huge part of who you are and how you see the world, that's a stronger connection than most people have to the part of themselves that maybe they're looking to outgrow in this lifetime. Mm. So I know that sometimes you have struggled with fighting for lack of a better word being the first one out there and having to make your voice heard and all of that stuff in certain situations but that makes perfect sense given that your north node is in libra the sign of relationship and partnership and not being on your own and not taking on those battles by yourself Mm. but it's even like how do i say this that warrior piece of you it's not just that it's in your first house, it's even more connected to who you are than most other people. So for you, it's almost like you need a stronger aha moment or realization or determination that you're going to grow away from that, that you're going to step away from that Mm -hmm. because it's just, it's like part of your DNA. So it's a gift because you're able to tap into it the minute you need it. It's so comfortable for you. It's such a place where you can tap into that whenever you need it. But the lesson for you in this lifetime is how do I not need that so much? Or how do I step away from that? That is so like right now, especially like today and yesterday, I have super been feeling this, right? Where like Mm -hmm. that part of me is the most comfortable and the most natural. And I'm almost like a little bit tired of fighting against it Mm -hmm. because it's like, if you constantly have to fight against something that comes so naturally to you, are you also just working too hard. At the same time, I didn't know that about my North Node either. And the whole Libra part of me, I do not feel very connected to. And especially right now, I'm dealing with a new environment where it's all about teamwork and like somebody's right at your elbow every second. And I I appreciate it. (laughs) 
I do. I appreciate it. I know there is something to be had in that. There is value to be had in that, but it really feels confining to me. Mm -hmm. So it feels very unnatural to me every day. So it's an opportunity for sure to like embrace something that I don't naturally tend toward. Like why only do the things that are by default for sure. Mm -hmm. But yes, this is, it's super interesting to know that it's at the opposite end of from my Ariesness or whatever. Yeah. And that's, I mean, everyone's North and South node are completely opposite each other. That's the whole point, right? <laughs> like you're going in one direction and you're leaving the other one, but we always have a choice when it comes to them, because sometimes we are in the mood to push ourselves and to try something new and to grow. And sometimes we are in the mood to be comfortable and to use the gifts that have come to us in this lifetime. And both of them are totally fine. Mm. But what you mentioned about like, you're fighting against the fighting. So that's a like, how do you yeah. neutralize that? How do you surrender to it? And maybe that's a different perspective. Maybe you surrender to the fight in you instead of like the fighting. And it may even be a period of observation about where you feel it in your body or where you almost feel the resistance. Because sometimes I feel like, especially with Aries, it's the first sign of the Zodiac. So mm -hmm. you just jump right in. And the old adage for Aries is ready, fire, aim. <laughs> so you mm -hmm. may be in situations where you're doing stuff before you even realize it. And then after the fact, you're like, why did I jump into that? Or why did I go into that fight? And I didn't even have the chance to think about it. Yeah, very much so. I did a, the full moon in Scorpio spread this morning. And a bunch of cards were kind of about like, where are you putting your energy? And I guess that's a challenge too, is to, it's not going to go away. So you kind of have to figure out where is it worth applying it? You know, that's, I guess my big lesson to learn is where is it worth applying that level of energy? Yeah, because Libra, yes, it's about relationship, but it's also about, this is going to sound very obvious, but equilibrium. It's the scales, yeah. but equilibrium comes through your feelings, but it's knowing when to lean one way or another. So it's actually pretty perfect that it's so close to your nodes because that's probably part of your growth pattern and what you're here to learn is mm. I'm imagining being on one of those balance boards and you're just balancing by leaning <laughs> one way or the other. And so when you find yourself, because you probably go through phases of being like, like just going into your Aries mode. Mm -hmm. So finding other ways to tap into that Libra side of you. And, and it's also right on your descendant because your ascendant and your descendant are directly opposite each other. Mm. And all of that is about how you are reflected through your relationships with other people. So we talk about relationships and you automatically think about the other person, but if you can almost take it a step further and mm -hmm. see how that either the connection itself or that person is reflecting something back in you that you like, that you don't like, that you don't want to change, that you do want to change. I think that's actually the underlying lesson to figure out how to step out of that Aries energy. I just don't want to do any more group projects, Lynette. <laughs> That's your Aquarius moon, my dear. <laughs> you said you didn't know much about your Aquarius moon. And I will tell you, as someone with a lot of Aquarius in her chart, oh. um, the adage for Aquarius is love's humanity hates humans. So oh. like, 
there's a detachment there where you're like, you are the best over there. Like you just do your work over there and I'll do my work over here. Yes, <laughs> yes, that is true. So maybe, okay, it's good to know that that's where that's coming from. Um, <laughs> Well, Aries is also can be very like me first, right? Yeah. I, I can do this on my own. Like exactly. you're dragging me down. <laughs> I mean, I super appreciate that. Like every, I don't enjoy personal growth. Perhaps others do. I don't enjoy it. It's hard. But I, when I find that it's happened by accident, I'm always a better person. For, <laughs> I'm always a better person for it. You know what I mean? Like I have yeah. friendships that there is no way I would have had I not, but like, those are even, even there, I have to acknowledge those are, I feel like the other person who's caused me to grow, like, not because I've wanted to, you know, it's like, despite my personality that I've made those friendships or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, that's good. Look at, look at that. I can do that too. (laughs) I think that's the axis that we're talking about because you're comfortable. Aries is put your oxygen mask on before helping others. Aries is just go take care of business, be the first one out there, fight your battles. And that may be a little of your Aquarius moon too. (laughs) Just speaking from the eye here. I don't need any more friends is my adage, but then I'm always happy when they come. But like to think about meeting someone new and learning about them and (laughs) all of that stuff. I'm like, that is a lot of work. (laughs) But then it's like my cute little Sagittarius self that's so appreciative of it when it happens, right? Because it's like, let's chat forever and you're like i'm gonna ask you all the questions and i want to learn all about you everything yes okay well that was an interesting deep dive into your sun moon and rising (laughs) (laughs) but i'm curious how you got into astrology and if you have had any aha moments that have really connected you to it well, I got into astrology through my friend, Lynette Winterstrom, who oh. <laughs> the illustrious. You about it before me, though. <laughs> well, I knew of its existence, but like I knew that my, I knew my star sign and I knew my, what is the ascendant called? How do you say it in English? What is the ascendant? You can say ascendant oh. or rising sign. Rising sign. Um, so I kind of, I knew what that was and I always have connected to Sagittarius, mm-hmm. always. So that like connecting very strongly with it has been great because then I, so I've always given enough time, I suppose, to think about it. The biggest aha though, I think was when you and I did a reading maybe two years ago and there was that really important sort of like travel something. And it was in the year that I would have been, or that I indeed was 19. And that is when I went to Italy for the first time. And that was, and remains like the formative turning point of my life, more than having children, more than getting married, more than anything else. And so that for me was like, oh my God. So, because that was just uncanny because it still remains, like I said, like the most important thing. Do you remember what that was? I don't remember what that was. I don't know that I would know how to express it, but there were two main like times in my life. One was at 19 and one was at 37. Frankly, at 37, I had just like had Kira. So God knows what was going on in my life at that time. (laughs) For me, the ages of 36 to present are a little bit confused for that reason. But the 19 really blew me away because... And which is a terrible sort of thing to say now that I say that because 37 was huge too. And I had my third child, but I am also like, I don't know what happened in that year, but yeah. So that's what it was like. You were looking at different things and 
19 was about like taking a large risk or taking a large trip or something like that. And that's basically what happened. In 1997, when I was 19, I went abroad to Italy, which was my first time living abroad. And in my life, I essentially stayed for the next 15 years in Italy because being foreign and learning the language was like the best thing ever. Okay. I'm just, I'm trying to find whatever it was. <laughs> On a daily basis though. And I, well, I shouldn't say daily because I don't know enough about astrology to know about it on a daily basis. But I think the thing that it provides for me are multiple tiny haha moments because it's really validating. You know, there are things that are like the times where I have decided I was going to bother you about it, right? Where I'm like, what's going on in my chart right now? Because I feel X or I feel this unexplained Y. And then there is something in my stars that are happening. I find that very validating. I don't need the validation to know what's happening at the same time. It reminds you that your life is a cycle. So mm -hmm. that it's also going to pass, you know, like if you're in a moment where you're like, and usually it's not when things are going like the best, right? Maybe it's confusing or maybe it's negative, but those are the moments where you're like, okay, this is not where I want to be, or this is not like how I usually am. So what's going on? It's super great to know that that's also like a transitory moment. I need that because I think being reminded that things like that are transitory, it gives me perspective, I think, on what I'm feeling or experiencing. Yeah. It's just a transit. It'll pass. I personally use astrology in the same way, more so than what's coming up in the future. Mm -hmm. Do I know when a big transit's going to happen or like the eclipse that's happening? Of course. But I think looking back is more impactful in the moment because like you said, it validates how you were feeling or why it took us a half hour to get set up for this podcast with Mercury retrograde or whatever. Yes. <laughs> But then it also gives you the information so that you can then when you do start expanding your astrological horizons and you're like, oh, Jupiter's conjuncting with Mars. So how was that last time? And that gives you insights into maybe how you'll feel the next time around. And you start to understand how you relate with the planets and how they express themselves through you because they have infinite expressions. Their expression through us is just as unique as we are. So I think that really helps you to almost build a library or like an internal knowing of how these things are going to affect you. For example, you have a really strong relationship with your South Node and with Aries. So anytime that a planet, like right now we're, we have had and still have a lot of planets in Aries. So it's probably lighting that up for you. So anytime as you hear me or any other astrologer being like, oh, there are four planets in Aries or whatever the case may be, that tells you, oh, that's going to light some stuff up for me. That makes me like, everybody, give me some space right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's so interesting. For me, looking back is always the way that it's useful. I won't speak for anyone else, but for me, I think using astrology or even when I pull cards through tarot, thinking about my current state or even my past state, there's it's like looking back on your life with a little bit of humility and saying like, where was I thinking there? I, I don't think for me, I can't be forward looking because in your future, you're always, you always build things up, exaggerate your imagination so mm -hmm. much. Right? So if something says that you're being too optimistic right now, then you immediately assume that I have a, this actually happened at work the other day. One of my colleagues wrote to me and asked if I had my tarot cards nearby because he was having a weird day. Could I pull him some cards? 
we had a one-to-one -one later that day. So I pulled the three cards and I have them ready for when we're talking. And the interpretation was like so right in the moment, which it was, you know, he had tried to get to the office, had not anticipated the traffic, was trying to do too many things at once. And what the card's message was, was about being kind of like overly optimistic. So trying to do too mm. much. Right. But I think if you were to see that in the future, you would tie that optimism, at least I would, to something much bigger. Like, well, you're Sagittarius with like, like, like and Sagittarius. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm being too optimistic. Oh, what's going to happen? Everything's going to be bad because, like, you know, it's not about trying to do something in a day for me. It's trying to do, you know. Um, so that's why future looking is not helpful to me ever. Mm -hmm. I think. But yes, I get so much meaning out of it and a lot of validation and perspective from the past. And so, the, you know, that 19 year old thing very much was like one that I carry with me where I'm like, oh my goodness. But otherwise there hasn't been a reading where there hasn't been a tiny kernel that I'm like, yeah, all right. Okay. Let me think about that a little, you know. So you found kernels, you have found it validating of your past experiences. Yeah. Is there anything about astrology that you are skeptical about or that makes you say, hmm, that's weird? I love this question because, you know, for full disclosure to our audience at home, when I read this question in the notes that you sent me, I thought about this a little bit. And I think like, no, there is nothing that is skeptical because I'm not asking of astrology to, again, tell my future or like engage in a pop quiz on what my favorite ice cream flavor is or anything like that. Right. So like, I feel like I know that I come to astrology with my own mixed up head, just like I do when I sit down in the morning and I pull three cards and I may or may not be ready to receive a certain message right now. And I think even that's really helpful for me to know to where I'm like, yeah, I'm not connecting with that. But then again, I know I have my own character. I know that be it astrology or anywhere else, like, well, the astrology is very helpful because you also see where your other planets and things are. And you're like, okay, maybe I'm struggling a little bit over here right now, which is keeping mm -hmm. me from really internalizing something else. So I never have that. I don't expect it to be something that's this like perfect, whatever soothsaying thing. The thing that is in, you know this about me anyway, that I like to research things. So the thing that is inaccessible to me about astrology is how complicated it is because like I grabbed onto tarot because I was like, oh, yay, pull a card, read an explanation. <laughs> Think about it a little. I can do that. But astrology is so complex and there are so many layers and there are nodes and there are planets and there are houses and there are trines and all of the things. And I took geometry twice in high school, once mm. during the year, once during the summer at which point I passed it. But at the same <laughs> about that is geometries. I've got my own hangups about geometry. <laughs> Those are my blockers, I think, when it comes to astrology. I think that's all fair. Yes, I remember during the first reading we did, or even just like casual, I, you just like went silent and I just heard like frantic typing. And I was like, Liam, are you Googling this right now? <laughs> you were like, yes, I am. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm so visual. Like, I need to see the logic. Sometimes it's helpful for me to see the logic, like, spelled out for yeah. me, but I, I just can't. Astrology is the kind of thing you need a guide for, or at least for me, I need that. I can't understand it by myself. So being what we were saying before is, like, I also have an aversion to group work. 
Um, I think, <laughs> I think that might be something that is difficult for me that it's not something I can get into on my own. And I don't mm -hmm. want to feel like I'm bothering someone else for as often as I would want to understand, you know, <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> all day, every day. Like, like, <laughs> I'm available for a retainer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why it's fun that I like you so much, right? Because then, you know, if you, God, you have to really feel you have to also like the way the person is explaining things to you and it has to be accessible because it is so complicated. What a lovely segue because Salim and I are both linguists. We both mm -hmm. have translated in the past and studied language and love language and all of that. But astrology is a language. And I think when we're talking about your first look at your chart and being totally overwhelmed by all the geometry, which PS, I think a lot of astrologers are also not great at math. So like that should not dissuade anyone from learning because the computer Absolutely. does all the math for you. Everyone can do math, by the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's all these symbols and numbers. And I always say pizza pie slices and like, what is this, right? You have to have your magic decoder ring to mm -hmm. even start to even know like what Pluto is, because you might be able to identify the sun symbol and you might be able to identify the moon, but then where do you go from there? Yeah. And to your point about finding someone who you like, it's a really big deal because an astrologer is just an interpreter. We just know how to speak mm -hmm. the language of the chart and then interpret it into the language of whomever we're speaking to. Mm -hmm. And some interpreters are better than others. Yeah. Some interpreters have a style that you prefer. And I think everyone needs to find the astrologer that works for them or the astrologers. I'm not like a doom and gloom forecasting yeah. or like what, like that's not my style. So I think the people who are attracted to me are the people who like, you know, empowerment and optimism and all of that stuff. But I guess tying that back to the language piece, does that resonate with you in terms of talking about? Oh, totally. And you can understand why just like a language is a system, how astrology would be a system. No question. Yeah, absolutely. I see that. But all the same, I'd rather go to you than learn all about it. I don't think. Well, yeah. Who knows? Like... Who knows? Never say never. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, I would rather watch. <laughs> Well, I don't speak German, for example, so I would really appreciate subtitles if I'm watching a German exactly. TV show. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's so funny. I love that. You know, because at work, I manage a team of people whose job it is not to translate words, but to explain cultural significance and linguistic importance to people who don't know anything about it. I super get that also with astrology, right? Because it's not actually about explaining the thing. When I used to teach English, for which I was not qualified. So I didn't have the, <laughs> I didn't have always the like, why we say this and whatever grammar, but because I spoke Italian, like that was my qualification to teach English to Italian speakers was that mm -hmm. I understood how they were thinking about mm -hmm. the language that they were learning. Uh, okay, when you say it that way, this is how we say it. So that's how you marry the two thoughts. And I think that's what was is fun about doing an astrology reading with someone who can not be super technical about, like not shove it down your throat because it's really, mm -hmm. how do I marry your question with what we're seeing here? And it can, and how do I translate those symbols into thoughts or into potential concerns or like concepts? I love mm -hmm. it. 
Yeah. And I love the way you do astrology. I'm, I don't know if, I, well, you're my only astrologer. Also, <laughs> Small sample size, but go ahead. <laughs> but I love the way you do it because you're not very, you're not black and white at all. Like that's very much your personality too. But I like that because I think that is where you're not also putting the pressure on astrology to answer all the questions. Right. And I think that's really important because it's not, again, it's not, yes, you need a decoder ring, but it isn't this like message in the sand that all of a sudden has appeared. It's people interpreting and put, you obviously have to put your own into it or not. And if you're again, not ready to put your own into it, then you probably won't have that moment or it won't resonate in that moment. And the fact that that's okay too, keeps you coming back to it, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. just sort of, you haven't found what resonates today. Mm-hmm. If that were to be the case, and that's okay. Yeah, and what you said earlier about the tarot cards and being like, okay, this is my message for me today, but maybe I'm not ready for it, or you know, maybe it's actually a heads up of what's coming down the road. <laughs> we grow into our charts over our entire lives. So, you know, I've done readings for your girls who are young women, and they have their whole life in front of them. So you know, especially when I'm talking to somebody in the very beginning stages of their life, it's like, okay, I don't know. You probably don't know. This is just where you need to maybe keep an eye out for what may be happening or how you might feel about something. But I think with astrology, sometimes people can feel like it's so prescriptive and Mm -hmm. even like Mercury retrograde, right? Like people are like, oh, the worst, like everything's going to break and I can't go on a trip and blah, 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 blah. But an astrologer isn't really telling you anything. Like we're just giving you information. And it's, it could be right. Like, I think I remember this about my chart or I invented it because it fits with a narrative that I particularly <laughs> enjoy. But isn't that, don't I have like when I, like in my natal chart or something, don't I have like a number of planets in retrograde? Like, I feel like I remember you telling me that. Yes. So you have Mercury retrograde. Mm -hmm. You have Chiron retrograde, Jupiter retrograde, Mars retrograde, and Saturn retrograde. (laughs) I didn't realize you had this many planets retrograde. Yeah. And like, that's so Salim, isn't it? Like the thing that's inconvenient for everybody. I'm like, oh, give me more of that. (laughs) It's not inconvenient though. Let's not perpetuate the stereotype. (laughs) But I just, you know, yesterday was Friday the 13th. I was born on the 13th of a month. So while people have that that superstition, someone asked me that yesterday and I was like, heck no, I was born on the 13th. That is a good mm-hmm. number. Are you kidding? You know, those kinds of things like. Well, the number 13 is also like one of those misconstrued things from witches, right? Like, I don't know the story behind it, but I'm pretty sure it had to do with like women that were doing something they weren't supposed to. Because like numerologically, if you go back, 13 is actually a number of love. So oh. I think the whole 13. Always thought, so what does it mean about me? Just that the, these five situations are in retrograde in my chart. Situations. Well, I, w- I did want to say earlier, because you were talking about the astrologer always puts their perspective on it or whatever. My mentor often talks about how we always see everybody's chart through the eyes of our own. Mm-hmm. So when I see your moon in Aquarius, I'm like, oh, Aquarius means this to me because I have so much Aquarius in my chart. So that's what comes out of my mouth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know other stuff, obviously, that does not pertain to me because otherwise that would be really weird. 
But even talking about this, I also have a lot of retrograde planets. So just for context, for anyone who goes to any astrologer, that is how we see your chart, because that's how we see the world, right? Like we see everything through the lens of our own experiences, for sure, etc. So as someone who also has, I, I have one planet less than you, retrograde. Really, anything that's retrograde, we talk about things slowing down, but really turning inward. So people who have a lot of retrograde planets oftentimes are late bloomers or take a little while to come out of their shell or to just like figure stuff out. And it depends on especially which planets are retrograde. Like it may be more like Mercury retrograde is more mental. So maybe you keep your thoughts to yourself more or things like that. But what I've heard from my teachers is that people who have a lot of retrograde planets really pick up steam after 40 in life, which is great because (laughs) I'm excited to see what's coming up. But I think it's because a retrograde planet not only moves backwards, but it stops and it moves really slowly until it stops again. And then it moves really slowly until it picks up speed moving back forward again. So it's all of these direction changes and moving in reverse that makes Mm. someone who has a lot of those retrograde planets just be slower. (laughs) I mean, for lack of like to not overcomplicate things just means you're a little bit slower and you're probably more focused on your inner world rather than your outer world. That's so interesting because I feel like, I feel like I am a late bloomer, frankly. I don't even know in what context because I guess one has not bloomed yet. You don't know what you're blooming into. (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, I'm, I'm such a fast person, right? And like, Oh, that's just so interesting to me. Like, I don't think I figured out that I was a late bloomer until my late thirties anyway, mm-hmm. because it's not like I didn't do things in my life. Right. Yeah. And I don't think I knew what blooming actually meant until that time in terms of like confidence and self-acceptance mm-hmm. and just the different kinds of perspectives that you would have a kind of maturity and things. Mm-hmm. That's something I'd like to learn more about, I think, especially the specific planets that are in retrograde and what that maybe means to me. Yeah. And the other part of it is that, for example, Mercury is retrograde right now. I'm not sure when this is going to air. I don't, I think it'll still be retrograde. doesn't matter. But for people who have natal retrograde planets, the rest of the world stereotypically is like, ah, Mercury retrograde, you know, they're worried about their computer crashing or dropping their phone in the toilet or whatever the thing may be. (laughs) But for people with natal Mercury retrograde, that's the space they feel most comfortable in. They feel more comfortable when they, we, our energy aligns more when the world is asking us to slow down, when the world is asking everybody to slow down, Mm -hmm. when the energy is asking us to tie up loose ends, to review the current situation, all of those retrograde words that start with R-E, that's Mm -hmm. our, that's Mm -hmm. our comfort zone, right? So, and that's a little bit contradictory to all of the Aries energy we were talking about with you earlier. So that's probably something that you're often going back and forth with. Yeah, I think that it's a, it's a consideration I didn't have when I was younger, because I wasn't thinking too much about it. And now, you know, especially recently, like, so I changed jobs about four months ago and not even at that point did I, was I really right? Well, I'd needed another job. So I was just really happy to have it. And I still am, but I think where I am now, you know, four months, right. So you kind of settle in is that I'm still reviewing what I want to do as a person. And I, I was talking to 
my daughter about keeping, like we talk about keeping your world big so that your world is not just work or your, because that's when you start feeling really frustrated. And I don't feel like my world is big enough right now mm-hmm. because I don't feel like work is where I will be able to put in all my energies in a satisfactory way. And I don't know what that means. So I, for me, that whole like blooming conversation is really about that part, you know, like understanding how to balance or understanding where the right places are to put your energy, that kind of thing. It's so funny how you think of that because like, I think as a kid, you think of being a bloomer or a late bloomer is in a very specific, I want to do like X thing. Right. Yeah. Um, Which I don't. And I want to do it when everybody else is doing it. Mm -hmm. Or or before everybody else. If Yeah. But, But like being after everybody else is, the worst, right? The worst. Like, yes. <laughs> nobody wants that. But but some of us, that's just how it goes. <laughs> well, the thing is now I don't even look at, I don't even look at it in a specific way. Like that's really what's been coming to me recently. I don't really super, I'm not super interested in like a particular achievement yeah. or a particular phase of my life. I just know like a certain feeling that I have, right? And, and that's what I'm not getting from this the one environment of work, for example. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then it needs to be bigger. Well, let's talk about like, where do you want to put your energy? Because I know you wrote in your notes Mm -hmm. something about it. So share a little bit and then we'll look at your chart. Okay. I don't exactly remember what I wrote in my notes, but I'm sure it was along these lines because I'm really just trying to figure out, oh yes, I do remember what I wrote because it was about purpose. I feel like I came out, I've just come out of a situation where I feel like the things that I th- you think that will give you or what the world tells you will give you quote unquote purpose in your life are not exactly it, at least for me. So like I have a family, I have three great kids and they all hopefully will find their purpose, but they are not my purpose, right? Hanging out with them is the most fun thing for me in the world sometimes. And then other times it's the way it is for anybody, but like, it's definitely not my purpose. I have a partner with whom I've been for almost 25 years. Great. He is also great and sometimes not great and vice versa. And that is not my purpose. I have a job that I've been like, you know, I have this career that I've been really fortunate to manipulate in ways that I have wanted to manipulate, right? When I want to make a move, I've made a move. When I want to grow, I've been able to grow. That's great. But I'm finding that that is not my purpose. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't have a name for it, but I definitely wake up or go to sleep thinking about like, this other type of something that I'd like to be putting my hands in, but I don't have a shake for it right now. So that's a huge question mark for me. Okay. So when we're talking about purpose in your chart, there are two places that I would look at immediately. One we've already talked about and we'll come back to it because I think you have thoughts about it, but it's your North node in Libra in the seventh house of relationships. So again, that's, what we're here to learn during this lifetime. So in big picture terms, it's our life's purpose. Um, But then we also look at the midheaven, which is the highest point of anyone's chart. And it really represents, a lot of astrologers will talk about it as it relates to career, but it's more so your calling in life, like your purpose, your vocation. And because it's the highest part of your chart, it's where you're in the most visible. So it's like, how do people see you? Like, how does society see you? What's your standing? What's your reputation like? And in some ways, probably a little bit like, what's your legacy going to be? So for you, your midheaven 
is right next to, not as close as your south node and your ascendant, but they're very close to each other. So it's blending energy, that high point in your chart with your Mercury retrograde. That's interesting because that ties into what you're talking about, where no matter if it's your career, which you're currently talking about, Mm -hmm. that Mercury retrograde of turning inward and reflecting and having time to do those things is just completely married with any sort of relationship to your career or your purpose or your vocation or your calling. Mm -hmm. So again, you're talking about having a job right now, but even when you find the thing that you're looking for, it's going to be really important for you to have that space and time for those kind of Mercury retrograde kind of themes. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) it's so funny. Astrology always does this. Like you say words and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what's in your chart. So you were talking about needing to, I don't remember what the words you said were, but like you're reaching for something like you're. Oh, saying that I kind of, I didn't have a form for it, but it's something like, I certainly want to put my hands. I feel like I want to put my hands around something, but I don't know what shape it has. That's maybe that's what you're referring to. I don't know, but let's, let's talk this out. So both your Mercury retrograde and your midheaven are in Capricorn and Capricorn is the sign of achievement. It's the mountain goat, but Capricorn always needs a mountain to climb. So Mm -hmm. you aren't one who just wants to like sit there and, you know, clock in and clock out. Like you need to have an objective. You need to have something that you can that is exactly it right now, Lynette. That is totally, I mean, I don't want to stop you because I'm so interested in what you're saying, but yeah. this particular comment, that is so true of me. It is true of who I am. I always need something to be striving for. I do not particularly have that anywhere right now. Mm-hmm. And it is what, it, it definitely is something that frustrates me. That is why I get myself in the terrible situations of like overworking or whatever, because as long as there's a goal, I will like walk over glass for it. Like I don't mind. I will get... <laughs> I will get there, but I don't have that right now. And then will you walk backwards over the glass because your Mercury's retrograde? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, like, again, going back to the validation, we have done that, right? So you knew that was a part of who you were before we had this conversation, but now you know that that's part of your soul's blueprint. This Mm -hmm. is not a negotiable for you. So it makes sense that you're looking for something, but I think knowing that you have this job that you're getting into and you like and all of that stuff, also knowing that you're always going to need, whether through your employment or somewhere outside of employment, something that allows you to have that space so you don't get frustrated because it's just who you are. Like you can't change mm-hmm. your chart. Yeah, it is very validating. That is super interesting because, I, you know, what I think through the going back to the personal growth theme, you know, the idea, uh, I think where I am blooming late is I think I'm understanding that anymore, I don't think I'm looking for that through my job because when I did have that through my job, it was also very tumultuous and considering my job is how I support myself and my family. Maybe I don't want that in a job. Also when it's in a job, that mountain that you're climbing can be taken away from you and it's not your mountain. So that's a lesson that I definitely just learned, but I think I do need a mountain. I think that's just so interesting. That's something for me to definitely think about, but it's also, it is really validating to know that like calling it my soul's blueprint is like so helpful instead of thinking like, why are you always trying to make things so hard for yourself or what, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's 
it's your DNA. It's who you are. And, you know, I think also because like we talked about with your ascendant and your South node, those energies fusing so concretely, you have the same with your midheaven and Mercury. So thinking about mercurial things might spark what your calling is because they are interwoven. So communication equals language equals writing equals technology equals podcasting equals <laughs> all of these things that I know, you know, I mentioned a few that I know you already have an interest and skill mm-hmm. at, but exploring those is probably a really good place to start to find out what your personal mountain is. Yeah. No more rented mountains. I think no that is mountains. <laughs> that might be the title for this podcast. The podcast <laughs> title, totally. <laughs> Oh, and then I guess we can come back to your North Node in Libra. Now, your North Node is in a challenging aspect to your Midheaven. So I actually think that makes sense because we're talking about the relationship and the reflection of yourself through others and all of that stuff. But the square is an aspect that is challenging to ultimately bring you all of that personal growth that you love so much. So that is also a place where it makes sense where you might feel like, I want to climb this mountain on my own. I want to have my space. But then your North Node is basically asking you to do a group project (laughs) in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wonder how, what I have to, there are parts of that that I like. I mean, I guess that's like anybody. Well, yeah, you you like people you like right i even like humans not just human i actually think i may like humans more than humanity i think i'm not super like convinced about it are those is are those little horseshoes are those nodes yeah so the one that looks like a horseshoe or like headphones fallopian tube or fallopian tube is the north node and then the upside down one is the south node oh gotcha so you're like heading this way and then here you're releasing Got it. Is anyone's kite ever turned in the other direction? You know how I have this like little kite that's pointing yeah. toward the north? Yeah. If you had planets over here, it would be facing the other direction. Interesting. Yeah. There's all sorts of geometry. Geometry. <laughs> Does it matter that my little kite is pointing toward Libra? Um, Your kite, I think we talked about this before. So a kite is just an aspect, like it's a combination of all the different connections between the planets that looks like a kite Mm -hmm. literally and there'll be a picture of Salim's chart in the show notes so you guys can see it the kite is it's complicated when the nodes are involved because the nodes aren't actual planets Mm -hmm. so it's I guess up for debate as to whether or not it actually expresses itself in the same way what I would say is that if you ignore the top part of the kite you have this just regular triangle yeah Equilateral, is that (laughs) back to geometry? (laughs) Um, All three sides are the same length. I did geometry twice, so trust me, it's equilateral. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) But anytime you have, it's called a grand trine, and it means that things flow really easily for you in the element that these planets are in. So yours is between Sagittarius, Aries, and Leo, which are all fire signs. Mm -hmm. which 
I guess just adds more fuel to the fire, if you will, with how easy fire energy comes along to you. Now, the shadow side of a grand trine is that it comes too easily, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's great because you're able, you're comfortable putting yourself out there, you're comfortable taking initiative, but sometimes you might be too fiery. Mm -hmm. You might start too quickly. Um, so I think that just continues to play into what we're talking about in terms of you're blooming and you're mm -hmm. stepping away from that fiery warrior side and just looking to balance that out a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that Leo part. I remember, I remember that we talked about this in that reading a few years ago, but I had forgotten they were all three there. I mean, what are yeah. you going to do? It's, it's who you are. And you can take a very homeopathic approach to your chart. I think a lot of times our first instinct is to fix things, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, to be like, oh, I need to balance out my fire with water, which is great. A lot of times that's a really good way energetically to find balance, mm -hmm. but sometimes homeopathic remedies work because you give someone a little bit of the thing that's making them sick and the body neutralizes it in that way. So if you have a lot of fire in your chart, it's going back to what we talked about at the beginning, like how can you maybe light that fire within you to surrender more? How can you use that fiery energy to actually help neutralize it in a different way, if that makes sense? Who knows? That's an interesting idea. It seems more, that's a really interesting idea. It also kind of seems more natural than, like I just don't do very well when I try and directly contrast mm -hmm. things. So that's an interesting Well, we're not good at it. Yeah. I mean, if we don't, know how to do that thing. You can't just be like, I'm going to do that thing <laughs> to do less of the mm -hmm. other thing. That's not how it works. And you don't have a lot of water in your chart. So that almost makes it harder for you. Your Jupiter's in Cancer. Um, and that has an opposition to your Capricorn midheaven and your Mercury. And then you have your Uranus and Scorpio. So you have some and you could tap into your Jupiter energy or your Uranus energy to kind of turn your fire into steam, if you will. But <laughs> you also don't have to. Yeah. And I think we talked about this with, with your friend, Emily, right? Like also looking to people in your life who have maybe more water or earth energy, that's a way to balance as well. And that ties in to your North node, right? How do you, Oh yeah. how do you balance that out through relationship? Oh my gosh, totally. You know, I feel like I feel good about that in my life for the relationships that I've chosen. Yeah. You know, uh, in terms of the relationships that really ground you or whatever the wording would be between fire and water, like the, anyway, that balance you. It's like those when you go out into the world, though, the uh, relationships that you don't choose and how. I actually don't even mind being fiery in the world, but like how it makes you feel like it's also, this is such a weird thing that that, that is where I would want to be able to control that a little bit more because I, it doesn't satisfy me. Like those aren't, those aren't satisfying interactions. Mm -hmm. uh, people who are in your life because you want them to be, you trust them anyway. And so the fire comes out, it's all almost always positive because yep. you've chosen those people. Yeah. Yeah. And another point of balance for you is your Medheaven and your Mercury retrograde, right? Because that's automatically going to slow you down just because of the nature of it. And they're in Capricorn, which is an earth sign. So it's grounding, it's earthy, you know, you can pour the earth on the fire to 
Whatever. I like that it's so it's mid heaven. When I was writing it, I was like, is it high heaven? No, high heaven is no. the mid heaven. Uh, well, it's the it's the MM Chelly is the bottom part, and I think this is the medium Chelly. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, how very Italian. Yeah, it's Latin. <laughs> I love it. I should I should know what that actually is, and maybe not put that part in the podcast. <laughs> should we start wrapping up? Sure. Okay. Thanks to one Miss Tanya Sibelia, I have renamed this section of the podcast to not so rapid fire questions because I could not stop myself from talking during the questions. So (laughs) let's get started. Celine, do you consider yourself to be more of an introvert or an extrovert? Extrovert. What is your superpower? I think my superpower is the ability to move on. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit more? Can you elaborate? I think I can feel things really deeply in the moment, but I'm uh, very optimistic. There's never anything that kind of like causes me to keep sinking downward because I'm so interested about what's going to happen next. And so because of that, I'm able to like take a moment and usually just move on pretty quickly. That is a superpower. (laughs) (laughs) What is your dream travel destination? Like all of them. That's that not a lot a, of size. <laughs> I know. I, I love, it, barring any sort of obligation, human, financial, whatever, that's all I would ever do. I love moving around. I do not mind talking to people at a superficial level and moving on. <laughs> <laughs> you just summarized your chart in two seconds. <laughs> so I could not pick a place. I just love, I love traveling to places that are like, yes, spend two months and feel like you live there a while and then move on. And I'd love to do that anywhere. Well, that's another piece of your chart because your sun in Sagittarius is Mm -hmm. pretty close to your midheaven. So that's another, like it's right up there at the highest part of your chart. Sagittarius is optimism, speaking to your answer to the last question, and travel and Mm -hmm. like international travel, expanding your horizon. So that's a really big part of your calling in life. I believe that. I feel that. How do you bring ritual into your daily life? Well, for me, ritual into my daily life is absolutely impossible. That is not who I am. But regular ritual, <laughs> bi-weekly ritual, um, <laughs> I think I do it by, well, the first thing I've ever been able to enforce for myself, I guess these are not rapid fire answers either. So That's sorry. why it's not so rapid fire questions. You're okay. doing great. Okay, super. So um, doing tarot in the mornings was really has become a thing that I'm really happy with because I don't, despite all of the things I just said about group projects, I don't really, uh, I'm all over the place. Like I don't regulate myself very well, but I have learned through doing like taking a moment and spending 10 or 15 minutes and pulling a card and thinking about whatever question I have all by myself, that it is actually really helpful. So that is something for me that like has been really very helpful and really positive. In general, I add ritual to my life or I'm able to keep those kinds of rituals by including other people in them. You know, Maya and I will do a thing together once a week or my husband and I will do a thing together, you know, whether it's like biking or whatever, but I, I do better if in general, if there are other people along the way. Well, there's your Libra North node making an appearance. <laughs> there you go. <will>. Yeah. <laughs> Just the people that you choose. The people I want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also very Aquarian of you. 
Okay, final question. Where do you shine brightest in your life? I think I shine brightest um, when I'm doing something that's like connecting with or caring for somebody else. Like the things that give me the most satisfaction are conversations with folks about, oh, what do you want to do? And oh, can I help you think through that problem or those kinds of things? That's really what I could spend hours doing. Like I just lose track of whatever. I don't mind it. I don't find it depleting. It totally energizes me. And I, to the language part before, I also feel really satisfied by it because in a way it is a challenge, right? It's my ability to take myself outside of myself and see if I can interpret or listen to the signals correctly. So for me, that's, I think, it. I love how the last two questions of this totally brought it back to your Libra North node. And oh. I feel like when you listen back to this or just think about the conversation, that those are also really powerful insights for you to find your your mountain or your <laughs> outside of job thing because you're so good at those things. That's one of the reasons why I just absolutely loved working with you and why I'm still so glad that I have you to just like, be like, help. <laughs> because you're you're just so supportive and you are like the best brainstormer I've ever met. And I think that ties into your Sagittarius placements and just your openness and you're like, let's try this. And did you think about that? And like, you don't have, there's no box for you. Yeah. Right? Like, you're just like, oh, Look at that weird concept I just heard about on a podcast. Can we apply that to yeah. translation or whatever? <laughs> like, that's the beauty of being friends with Celine. So, oh, hooray. Yes. Also, part of your soul's blueprint. Oh, this is so interesting. See, I came in thinking I really didn't like others. That's not necessarily it. I just don't want to climb a rented mountain with other people. <laughs> I think that is very valid yeah. and an important thing for you to know for yourself. So true. <laughs> so true. All right, Salim. Well, thank you so much for your time. I can't wait to maybe do this again sometime. So fun. <laughs> I loved it. And I feel so fortunate actually, because yes, we are doing this podcast, but I just got to talk about my chart for like an hour. So what a luxury. I loved it. Thank you so much. Thank okay. you. Talk to you soon. Wow, I don't want to climb a rented mountain with somebody. I love that analogy. I wish it didn't require so much context in order to turn it into something viral. Because <laughs> I think it's very relatable. Thank you to Salim for giving us that wonderful context about how to find our purpose. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. Give it some five-star love and... I would so appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts if you're called to do so. We had a great time exploring Celine's chart this episode and really went deep into it. You can find a link to her chart in the show notes in case you're learning about astrology or heard anything that reminds you of your own chart and you're curious to take a peek at it. If you want to get a deeper glimpse into your chart, please book a cosmic consult with me at cosmicmoves.com shop. I would love, love, love to work with you and share insights about your chart and who you are and your soul's blueprint like I did with Salim. And wherever you are, whenever it is, here's wishing you a stellar day and see you next time.